This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. How you doing, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of John Arisi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. We are the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time. Today's show is no exception. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news stories and breaking developments that happened in real time, and now we get to relive those moments right here on this podcast. Today, we will review the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show, which aired on 1440 WNYG in Babylon, New York, on July the 31st, 1993. It'll be a good one today. I want to remind you about our Patreon account, which I do each and every episode. I uh, looked and we have over 500 pieces of content on the Patreon page as I record this today. All different levels get you all kinds of history uh, from 8mm movies to all the archives of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. You get the podcast early. You get the video podcast early and uh, so much more. Patreon.com slash John Arezzi. Check it out, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the history if you are part of the Patreon community. Without further ado, let's bring Marsh on. Hello. Marsh, hello. Hello, Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> we will have my a gag with Medusa when she brings me on. hey is as hey-o. low energy as possible just because yeah. she's she's so high energy all the time. That that's my yeah she is bring she it is. down i feel a little bit high energy today i don't know what yeah. it is good Did the uh, mets win you want to fucking bring the mets up now and put my mood sour <laughs> i'm trying to guess what could make your team. mood better they dismantled their team this week oh yeah i did see that that was yes weird. uh six players gone including uh their co-aces max scherzer and justin verlander and they paid the teams to take them they got great prospects in return they rebuilt their their um, their farm system, uh, but when you pay the Houston Astros, uh, which could be fifty million dollars to take a player off your hands, a guy who that was going to be a Hall of Famer, and you pay the Texas Rangers thirty six million dollars to take a guy off your hands, the guy Steve Cohen now has a payroll that uh, it's one hundred twenty million that he owes the guys and players that are not on the act. <laughs> that have been traded away he's paying another 150 million for them and they decided that next year is going to be more of a rebuild 
So um, uh, he's really just kind of concentrating now on youth and minor leagues and building up the farm system. And uh, the Mets will be horrible the rest of the way this season. So thank you for bringing that up. But that's such a hopeful future. You dump all the stuff and then you rebuild it. (laughs) I don't got too many years left for this shit. I haven't seen a World Series champion since 1986. You know how many years ago that was? That's almost, what is that, 36 years ago without a championship. So my uh, grandfather was... uh... I mean, he was from Austria, but he moved to Chicago and lived in Chicago most of his his adult life. And so growing up, because um, that's my um, step family, right? So I met them when I was like 10. Cubs fans, we were even on Little Leagues, we were on the Cubs or the Padres. So we just had a history of knowing that our teams were never winning. Mm-hmm. He passed away in 2016, just a few months before they did it. Oh. And there was a moment, it was a very emotional one for us all because he was such yeah. a big Cubs fan. Um, the as much as it hurt us that he didn't get to watch them win the series, we also took a lot of joy in the fact that the last team he ever saw did it. You know, so it was like his last team. It was the championship year, it but was. he didn't get a chance to see the celebration and to see the actual clinch. Yeah, so it was like my whole family's calling each other when they did it, just crying. Did they yeah. Do it? That's so, that's the but, sad part of that because you know that was the legacy the Boston Red Sox and the Cubbies. For so many years, they had not won. So people yeah. had lived their entire lives without seeing a world champion. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I get I got to see the two that the Mets have won, 69 and 86. But now, you know, you're getting older and I'm like, um, I don't know if I could, you know, I'll be there. I'm never going to give up on the team. But um, the rebuild is it makes sense. The guy's a hedge fund trader. He's worth 20 billion. He knows when to, uh, you know, sell, and he knows when to buy, and he knows when to cut his losses, and that's what he did. And he put all the money in the farm system, and the Mets have gotten a, a substantial return, like the number one prospect uh, for uh, for the, from the Houston Astros, and their number three prospect. So they've loaded up the farm system with young kids that are going to be ready, uh, if not probably not next year, but twenty five and twenty six. So we'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see. Anyway, um, but I do anyway. want to say that. It's because uh, it's not completely off topic. We do have a baseball clip later on. We mentioned you tell a story about baseball in the show, but also mm-hmm. because um, I just felt like talking a little bit of baseball with you. I've been listening to more and more of the Gibby show uh-huh. that you do with him, and I'm not a big baseball fan. I don't know all the ins and outs. It's just always been around in my life, kind of peripheral wise. Mm-hmm. And that show has become one of my favorite ones to kind of listen to and unwind from all the wrestling stuff. That no I kidding. To. It's been really cool to kind of almost feel like I'm catching up. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a fun show to do, and you never know week to week who he's going to get as a guest. So, um, you know, when you get a chance to talk to Jim Palmer and Don Mattingly and some of the other legends, and I think we're going to have Jose Batista on, uh, who was infamous uh, the bat flip from the 2015 playoffs, because uh, John is actually going up to Toronto. They're honoring uh, Jose Batista on, I believe it's the 14th, whatever that Saturday is, or 13th of August. So he'll be on the field as part of the celebration. So yeah, each and every week it's fun. Uh, people dig it. It's really very popular up in Canada. And he loves to make fun of me about my Mets fandom, even though he was a member of the 86 Mets. <laughs> my old roommate. Back, back my when old they were roommate. good. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we digress. Before we started the uh, taping, we were talking uh, a story about some taffy, which we won't really go into. That could be for another show. Uh, What's but, in your book? Uh, but 
<laughs> well, not that phrase taffy, no. but the stories in the book. Anyway, no. I'll leave that to your imagination. Um, we got an interesting one today. The show is a little convoluted, a little fucked up in the editing. It was uh, weird. It was when I was uploading it, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, on, on it's only one side. It's a little weird. And, and then I put on the second side to digitize that. It's all Bruce Jacobs sports air checks on WNYG. And I'm like, this, what's going on with this? So is the only time you sent me two parts of a thing and I had to message you to be like, are you sure this is right? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is a mess. <laughs> this is all of it. And this is the order. Yeah. Uh, it was the show was all over the place this week. Yeah, it'll be a fun one to go through. And we do have a special guest that we'll be bringing on shortly. And that's uh, uh, someone who uh, was there as it happened, because it happened in his business at LNS Comics uh, 30 years ago. And that was the infamous Jake the Snake Roberts appearance. Uh, oh. You know, the taffy man himself. Uh, and <laughs> we will be talking about that entire episode that really people are still talking about to this day. So it'll be, I'm fun. excited to, to find out more about it. Cause as I was listening to the, even the explanation you guys were given, I was like, what is happening? So this is going to be cool. It will be very much. So what do you want to do? You want to get into it? Do we bring Larry on now? Uh, what do we do here? You're the producer. We can. You're the creative director. The only thing I didn't know is you'd mentioned you were, uh, you had thought about bringing up uh, the Vince McMahon thing. Oh, a big story. Oh, that's right. How quickly I digress. No, I mean, a couple of things have gone on this week in the wrestling world. And I just got, I always got to follow this guy. I find it fascinating with this guy. Uh, Vince McMahon was uh, uh, served with a, a federal agents have executed a search warrant and they have a grand jury subpoena for Vince McMahon. And from what I understand, it's uh, about those uh, payoffs uh, that he did over all the years. No charges have been brought to the investigations. And uh, McMahon also uh, conveniently, not conveniently, had some spinal surgery. So he is out indefinitely Yeah, as per the board of directors. And the board of directors in their, uh, their quarterly call to their investors uh, would not comment on what's going on with Vince. No, but Vince did send out uh, an internal WWE employee uh, little snippet that I have here if you want to hear it. Yeah, please. Uh, Vince McMahon says, in 2022, WWE formed a special committee to review allegations of misconduct against me. That review was concluded in November 2022 following an extensive investigation. Throughout this experience, I have always denied any intentional wrongdoing and continue to do so. I'm confident that the government's investigation will be resolved without any findings of wrongdoing. I am focused on completing the recovery process for my recent spinal surgery and on closing our transaction with Endeavor, which will create one of the preeminent global sports and entertainment brands. So it sounds a lot like he's saying, I don't know, they're doing whatever they're doing. I'm doing this. I'm doing this for now. <laughs> I'm resting. I'm calm. You know, I'm going to be uh, doing rehab for a while. So uh, whatever happens, happens. And I am think- Vince McMahon. Nothing is going to happen to me anyway, pal. Yeah, you saw him back in the 90s get a neck surgery right before having to go to trial so he could be looking sad and pathetic. Oh, he was think- in a neck brace the entire trial. Yeah. Do you think this is him doing it again so he can be wheeled in even more like the neck brace wasn't good enough? He's like just... History repeating itself. That's all I could say. It's insane. It's wild. It's all but- right. It'll get, you know, nothing's going to happen to him. He's Teflon. Nothing ever does. It's insane. Oh, yeah. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's go over this uh, July thirty first, nineteen ninety three show that was all over the place. Let's do it. You opened up. You were back. You hadn't been on for two weeks because you were working on projects. You talked about bringing an LA show with AAA. Yeah. Joining forces with, I believe it was IWC, formed by Ron Scully. International Wrestling Council was the company uh, that we started. I it was certainly a part of that, uh, uh, IWC. And that was kind of the uh, new federation that was going to be having title matches within the AAA. Mm. So they'd be wrestling for AAA titles and also IWC titles. Okay, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should be good. That sounds fun. Uh, and then you do mention that Weekend of Champions is coming up. You believe it's going to be in October. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that you set a specific date yet, but you did say October. Yeah. Uh, probably because so, you know I was still trying happen. to get a venue, which we eventually landed back at the place we did all of them at, which was the Ramada Inn at LaGuardia Airport. Isn't that where they do the big event now? The big meeting? They thing? did. Now they moved the big event, I believe, to Flushing, Windows on the World or something. I don't know what the Oh, fuck gotcha. Yeah, that's incredible a lot of f-bombs today i'm sorry sorry patrons sorry fcc general public uh that's cool that's crazy because one of the things that got me back into wrestling was actually uh my girlfriend got me tickets to the big event and it was at that laguardia Mm -hmm. thing knowing that that was basically a shoot off of your event is really cool that was uh, the place that we did all for them that's amazing uh all right let's do this is how you kind of open the show you have no don liable and you go over that, uh, but you have big breaking news that mm. you start the show with. And you've been gone for two weeks. You're back. And so is the delightful reverb. No. <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of things that we've been working on, but of course we do want to inform you what's going on in the wrestling world and, uh, I tell you, this week, the biggest surprise to everyone, if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, you probably already know what happened in the WWF this past Monday. Jim Cornette enters the WWF with the heavenly bodies of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, pushed a, he went into the TV tapings. Cornette appeared. He's also going to be the new spokesperson mouthpiece for Yokozuna. Uh, and the Heavenly Bodies looks like they're going to take on the Steiner Brothers at SummerSlam August the 30th. So that was the biggest news, the shock of the week, the shock of the year. Cornette going to the WWF, at least for the time being. Uh, the people that I spoke to this week close to the situation uh, told me that this agreement, this working agreement right now, was just leading up for SummerSlam. What happens after that still remains to be seen. But that has certainly been the biggest story in pro wrestling this week. Don Liable, our capsule reporter, our news reporter, is not here today. And that is because each and every year, Don Liable, around this time, goes to the Baseball Hall of Fame for the induction ceremonies. And today, is it today, Bruce, or is it tomorrow? Well, Donnie's there preparing. He works for ESPN as a Stringer um, freelance production assistant Uh, each and every year for the Hall of Fame. And uh, tomorrow, Reggie Jackson is going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, number 44, and Bruce is in there gagging himself. But let me tell you a little story, Bruce, about Reggie, okay? I idolized this guy one time. In 1977, 
Uh, I was covering, uh, I was I was interning at a station on Boston, WITS, which was the Red Sox flagship station. And, of course, the Yankee rivalry uh, with the Red Sox was just intense. And that was like Reggie's, uh, that was Reggie's first year in New York. And I was just awed by what the guy was doing all year. Of course, he had to struggle with Billy Martin on the field. And there was uh, always, I was always getting into arguments with my friends up in Boston because they all hated Reggie. But I just saw this guy being flamboyant, and he reminded me of a wrestler in a way because of his personality and style and charisma, okay? So he's at batting practice. Uh, I think it was in a September series, and uh, I asked him uh, for an autograph, and uh, he said, I ain't got time for that right now. But he gave me his cap, his cap, which was, I thought, wow, this guy's great. You know, this is like a hero of mine. And uh, I started, you know, I read he was like an idol of mine. Uh, going back uh, his last year in baseball, Okay, with the Oakland, I think he finished up with Oakland. Was it Oakland or was that California? California. Uh, I had a press pass. Uh, I was working for, matter of fact, ironically, I think it was 80, what is it, 85 or 86? I don't know. It was around that time period. 88. There you go. Uh, I was doing a show called, uh, uh, Pro, uh, I was doing a, a show on baseball here at this station. And I went, uh, I went down to uh, Yankee Stadium, got a press pass. And I had brought along with me a lot of different Reggie memorabilia for him to autograph for me. You know, this is his last tour around the league. And go in there and go into the locker room. It's clearing out, and there's Reggie. And I said, Reggie, you got a couple minutes for an interview? He goes, I don't have time right now. And uh, he just looked, uh, you know, I looked at him, and I said, well, you must be having a bad day or something, you know. And he just looked at me, and he goes, I ain't having a blanking bad day. And that, like, tore the facade. It was like, man... Boy, my hero disappointed me. Uh, the reason I'm talking about Reggie Jackson, of course, Donnie is up there right now, but also segueing into our first little segment here. Uh, sometimes your heroes don't live up to your expectations. Hmm. I should have never asked for Reggie's autograph. In a locker room, as a member of the press, that's taboo anyway. Yeah. Well, because you asked him for an interview first, and it sounded like that. I think yeah. that was going to be a secondary thing you never yeah that there. would be after the interview so hey reggie can you sign this and I, I i did a little misstep once before with my one of my other heroes tom siever uh because i used to get press passes all the time and i used to interview a lot of ball players i got a lot of those tapes still uh and siever was traded to cincinnati and i had gotten a press pass and got into the clubhouse and he was sitting by himself and um uh, he was uh, doing a crossword puzzle and I went up to him and I was like, introduce myself. And he just kind of gave me a look and I was like, can I get a couple minutes with you, Tommy? He goes, no, I'm, no, can't you see I'm doing something? This is supposed to be quiet time for me. So no. And so, yeah, you know, I was out of line, but don't, you know, when you, sometimes when you have, when you revere somebody and then, and even if it's your fault, and I think, you know, in the Reggie's case and even the Seaver case, it was mine. I mean, you know, you have to follow guidelines and rules. But uh, sometimes when you meet your heroes and then it tears it away, you know, then you kind of get a different opinion of them. But fortunately for me, being the mature adult that I am, I still revere both of those gentlemen. Seaver, of course, not with us anymore. And Reggie is still always been one of my favorites. Did you keep the hat? Even though he didn't sign yes. it? Yes. Yes. That's cool. I mean, that's still a cool thing that he gave you that hat and everything, but yeah. Yeah, it's and got the number also, 44 on the bill inside, Number, you know, the 44, so it's... 
Yeah. yeah. And I got a lot of great pictures of them back then. And I think it's easy too, like you said, when someone someone you look up to, it's, I mean, a little different because you got a media pass and you were able to get them. But a lot of fans and people, when they get the opportunity, they think this might be the only chance I'm in the same room as this person. And so sometimes it's sure. easy to get lost in those moments and be like, hey, can I ask for this extra little thing? And then they hear it all the time. So they, don't, they think I've had enough where to the fan, this is the only chance in my life, you know, and so it's a it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Be. I did. I was able to interview Daryl Strawberry uh, the first weekend he was called up to the majors and I had him sign uh, the press guide with the date. So I still have that. It's his first uh, first That's or second cool. game in the majors anyway. That's cool. That's awesome. I'm a, I'm a mark. I mean, I think to be that involved in any of those things, you got to at least start that way. Yeah. You got to have a love for it before you start. Yeah, that's why. That's why I enjoy doing what I do now with the baseball podcasts and the other stuff. I'm still a mark. Yeah, good, good. Uh, now you were disappointed by Reggie, and this was leading into a lot of fans getting disappointed by Jake yeah. the Snake. Yeah, 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 yeah. The LNS appearance, LNS Comics, are beloved sponsors, uh, the longest running sponsors of the show, and from day one. Uh, from day one, and we we do have Larry Spitz, Larry from LNS Comics, joining us from Long Island. And Larry, Larry, are you there? I'm here. How are you, Larry? How you, how are you, man? Good, good. Are you ready to Are you ready to to I'm go so back happy. in time and review this clusterfuck? <laughs> you know, it was. I'll be honest. When it happened, I had no clue. Yeah. What do you mean? He did a great appearance. I had no clue anything was weird. But uh, everybody else told me. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Or was it because you were like not right next to him? You basically got him to his table and then stepped off to the side. So you didn't have a lot of. I was was next to him. But you know what? I was kind of innocent. I had no clue what I had no clue. Uh, so he didn't I mean, pass out or anything. He was because uh, I wasn't there, as we'll hear when we review no, the tape. But I wasn't even there. Bruce was there. He ate a full box of mounds. <laughs> a full box a of full mounds. Box. Mounds candy. <laughs> the candy That's... that no one should ever eat. You didn't have any taffy. <laughs> <laughs> no taffy at the time. You might have eaten a whole box of Latin taffy too, but uh, he ate a whole box of mounds. Who the hell eats mounds? Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, a sweet tooth. <laughs> I mean, uh, that yeah, one I mean, bar, a twenty-four box, a box of mounds. Of mounds. You figured out rub them up, right? How long was the appearance? An hour or two? Probably an hour or two. That's a lot. That's one after the other. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. So wow. you, so you have, you know, obviously there was probably a decent crowd there. Oh yeah, it was decent. It was definitely worthwhile. But he wasn't uh, cordial to the guests, and he was a little bit uh, out of snippy. sorts. Snippy. A little snippy. Okay. Mm. I think. Some of the mothers of some of the people who were there were a little annoyed. Okay. 
Did they complain to you in person at all, or did everyone wait to call about about it later? Um, a little later. A little later. Okay. Uh, do you want to listen to the first clip? See if it doesn't jar any memories. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. Okay. And last week, uh, I had Jake the Snake Roberts in town for several days. Uh, Long Island Bowling yeah. Proprietors Association. Uh, he missed the first day of appearances. He said he had a problem with his family. The first day he did sign, the first day he did go to the bowling centers, everything was pretty cool. But that Saturday, which was last week, we had him booked at a couple of centers, one in Farmingdale, one in Comac, and he also appeared at one of our sponsors, LNS Comics. And uh, there's been a lot of complaints regarding that. I've gotten a lot of uh, uh, stuff on my answering machine, people complaining about it. Uh, there have been some letters written to some of the newsletters regarding his condi his condition, and also uh, our, our sponsors at LNS Comics were a little upset as far as the way the guy was. Now, it's very difficult for me um, to talk about. You know, I just have to say that this guy Jake is definitely one of the superstars in this business, but uh, being overseas with him, but especially the last week or so. Uh, I just got to apologize for his behavior publicly. I'm going to do that first and foremost. Uh, I was not at the LNS appearance. Bruce, you were there. But uh, just the reports that I got, it was uh, not a pretty sight. And uh, if anyone out there uh, is, was offended by seeing him or didn't get what they expected, uh, I just want to make a public apology regarding that. And I want to bring on our sponsor, LNS Comms, because they did want to... Uh, talk to the public as well. So we're going to go over that first, and uh, I believe we have Larry from LNS here. Hello, John. How you doing, Larry? How you doing? Good morning, everybody. Well, at least this week will be a good morning. Uh, last week I thought was going to be a great morning until uh, Jake the Snake showed up in his condition. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, we have no response. You know, we really had no control over his condition. As a matter of fact, he was giving us more trouble than he was giving anybody else. Uh, except for John, I would say. Um, you know, we don't, as comics obviously don't condone, you know, any kind of drug use or any kind of... Uh, well, first of all, you can't say anything regarding that, Larry, okay? Well, so let's clear that up right now, okay? Because you don't know. Uh, and I don't know. You, don't, right, you, right. you never see, you, you didn't see yeah, him no, at, didn't digest say anything, anything well, okay? And I didn't either. Now, the speculation from customers and everything has been running rampant all week. Um... I just wanted to say, you know, we don't us, you know, you know, apologize, you know, for any condition that, uh, you know, might have happened or if any situation had happened individually with any customers. Wow. That was the opening salvo. Yeah. Wow. But you see, I really did not see it. The customers saw it. Right. Well, I mean, you're the proprietor of the store, so you're doing not just there with jake trying to control crowd there are people that are buying stuff uh so yeah you know those are the, you know the, the, so your time is every you're, you're everywhere in the store yeah, yeah at least he was reasonable in terms of autographs i think everybody dealt with them because the autographs were made five bucks that was it oh okay so oh, wow. it was pretty cost effective for sure yeah. Do you remember if Brian from Long Beach was there, or I know you Brian had... was there. Matt Cardona. Was Matt there was there. As a matter of fact, Matt's mother was the one who absolutely saw that Jake was messed up. 
Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We uh, we did attempt to bring Matt on and uh, we reached out to him and we received a really cool message back. He thought it was very cool. He was like, wow. You know, when I mentioned your name and that you were going to be coming on to talk about it and uh, he's been on the road. So uh, initially he said he'd do today's show and then he uh, reached out just yesterday and just said that he just got back from a trip. He's not home for a while. He wants to just kind of chill. So I invited him to come back anytime he wanted to because here's a guy that got uh, really his probably his his passion for collect collectibles and action figures from his purchases at LNS Comics. Yeah, I think he started collecting by us. Yeah, and then now he's a now he owns a figure company. It's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder how many things he tracks down because he remembered seeing it in your shop and never got I it. Think you know what I mean? I pretty much think he's found everything. Yeah, I think he's found it. He's found prototypes. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if he's got that little Hogan you told us that you still have. I'm sure he did. Yeah? I'm positive he has one. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, that'd be interesting to find out, too. Like, if his mother was the first one to say anything, I wonder if she saw something or if he just remembered a specific... You know, if there was a specific instance that happened with them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of neat that also John kind of snapped back. Let's not call it drugs. And I think it's because you were still working with him, right? Well, yeah, I was working with him. You never know if, uh, you know, if he's yeah. listening or a tape gets to him about a defamation. There's a lot going on. I had him uh, headlining for me in, in Dallas a couple weeks later. Like five minutes later. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I've ha- I had my own issues with him overseas, here in the States. I mean, there was always something. He was so unpredictable with his behavior at that time in his life. Uh, Did he it disappear was... on you? What's that? Did he disappear on you? Well, yeah, he disappeared uh, when we were heading over to overseas. I mean, he went, we were flying out of JFK Airport, and he disappeared for like two hours. Where he went into Jamaica to score some crack that he started smoking on the plane. Wow. After the appearance, he had my partner, Steve, drive him to Wine Dance to pick up an eight ball. There you go. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. Nobody saw it. That was definite. (laughs) (laughs) That that was no allegedly. (laughs) That was. That was the whole whole pool table. 
Yeah. Now, as far as, because you'd mentioned that he was being more of a problem to you than the fans, to you guys. Was that like in the moment? Was he like being difficult to get sat down or situated or anything like that? Nah, he pretty much did what he what he had to do. Yeah. But I think he was a little rough on, you know, doing the autographs. I think he got annoyed if people asked for multiple autographs. Mm. I think he got annoyed if people asked him too many questions. They should have just kept feeding him mounds bars and he would do anything. Like, when I met him, I've met him twice. And one of the times he was very sober and he was very kind of approachable. And another time he was not in the best shape. Uh, and uh, I remember him being very short and snippy, and it was kind of. Now, kind of, now I know. Bring him out. Bars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my reunion with him in 2019, when I just started getting back into this at uh, 80s WrestleCon in New Jersey, I saw him at a table, and I was like, "God, I haven't talked to this guy since the 90s," you know. So I went up to his table, and he just looked at me. He goes, "I thought you were dead." <laughs> That's the amazing thing is. With all of the wrestlers that had died, how is it that he lived? It made no sense. Yeah. His yeah. work is not done. No. <laughs> no, he's got a lot more to give. Yeah, and he's back with his wife, Cheryl, so that's a cool thing. They're really? reunited. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's cool. Yep. Uh, do you want to take a listen to the second part of the interview? Yes. You guys had? Yeah, we got it. Let's Let's hear it. I know a lot of people did have a good time at it, though. So, you know, in a few, you know, in some ways, you know, there were some good things. Uh, you know, a lot of people did get to see Jake the Snake. Albeit, it probably wasn't, uh, you know, the type of appearance that they might have, you know, wanted. Um, if people go back and anybody who came to the Johnny B. Bad appearance, remember it, he was so animated. Johnny B. Bad was absolutely wonderful. He made every single person who came up feel special. Which, you know, would be the feeling that I thought, you know, Jake being a professional wrestler, being around people for so many years would probably do. Unfortunately, he let us all down. And just like John said about the Reggie Jackson story, unfortunately, sometimes our heroes do let us down. Um, yeah. well, speaking, uh, speaking as far as things that happen overseas, autograph sessions, the press appearances, he was there and he's right on the money. Now... I'm going to try to get a hold of Jake and have him explain or try to explain to people here. But uh, I talked to someone very close to him yesterday, and I said, please relay this to Jake's, and you tell him that there has been a lot of flack all week long regarding what happened. And after everything that uh, we've been trying to do with the guy, obviously uh, if he's in a uh, – if he's having all kinds of – if he's having problems of his own, it's up to him to go out and get help. Yeah, so I'm still trying to get to the bottom of everything that happened, and hopefully I'll be speaking to the guy this week. But uh, on behalf of uh, this program, because I've done many autograph appearances before with many personalities, and we've had uh, a couple of situations uh, where uh, people were not as I expected them to be, and one of them took place at Weekend of Champions last year, but this one was... Uh, uh, certainly uh, something that caused me a great deal of embarrassment. I want to apologize. And, uh, you know, I know you wanted to come on and apologize as well. So uh, to all your customers and uh, our listeners that uh, did show up at that appearance last Saturday. Yep. 
at least then the other thing at the same time I also want to thank all the people who did show up you know, showing their support to wrestling and everything and I'm sure that we will do another kind of appearance another kind of signing and we'll find somebody who would of course be more animated you know and be more friendly you know and more customer friendly as the as the case may be you know someone who at least is not in a rush to run out which Jake was there's no nothing I, you know nothing bad about saying that he was absolutely in a rush to get out of there he really was not very talkative with the uh, you know with the people and I'm sure you know I'm voicing everybody's opinion on this one and like I said if you want to write letters to newsletters and stuff like that Feel free. As a matter of fact, you know, I encourage it. You know, feel free, you know, talk about what you felt your opinions on Jake were, on what you saw. But at least tell them you did see him at LNS, you know, at LNS Comics, and we did try our best, you know, which we did. You know, we put a lot of work into this, and unfortunately, our work seemed to have been for naught. You know, we appreciate everybody who came down, and we appreciate all our customers who did come down, and we hope to see you all soon. Okay. Larry, listen, we want to thank you very much and uh, for coming on today, and uh, we'll be talking to you this week. John, thank you very much. I'm glad we were able to get this on and uh, get this over with and get this behind us. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. And LNS has been uh, with us since we debuted here, April 9th, 1989. And uh, like I said, I just want to, uh, first and foremost today, I wanted to go over that situation. Ah, memories. It's a good thing. It brought up the whole Johnny B. Bad thing. That was a good one. That was great. And he was there with uh, he was there with uh, with Rena. Wife at the time, yeah. Sable. And that was sponsored by WCW. Yeah. The comic book. Very cool. Yeah, Yeah, we did some good things together. The first thing they asked is, "What was the name of the children's hospital?" Because when when they were done with us, they were going to go over there. Yep. Yep. That's and he's, he's still doing good work, man. He's still doing good work and helping people. Good man. So, so both Mark Merrill and Jake were in a hurry to get out of there, but for totally different reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Mark was not in a hurry, I'll tell you. No, but he had plans right he's after. A good guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very Jake, good guy. Jake needs to get to wine dance. Yeah. Pronto. Yeah. That's crazy, too, because I was going to ask, the, you know, you brought it up, that they talked about how much he was in a rush. He definitely was in a rush to get out of there. I was going to ask you if you knew where he was headed. Absolutely. And I was like, eh. Wine dance. <laughs> <laughs> the home of fine eight balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're most famous for. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What else, what else would they be famous for? Right. I don't know. I have not spent as much time down there as you might. No, no, you're not a wine dance guy in March. It was not a place they could go driving around. No, no, no. Do you Uh, have any any other memories of the Jake uh, appearance or anything? Power Twins were there, right? The Power Twins. Dave and I were there. Did they do anything to try and keep Jake awake and stuff? They held him up. Uh, <laughs> like making a Bernie's. They probably did. They propped him up. They were very good. They yeah. were excellent. Yeah, they just had they, gotten to know him too from the Southeast Asia tour. So, yeah, I'm glad that they were there to keep people in line. They did. They were great yeah. to the fans. Yeah. I mean, what's good is, I mean, they needed the publicity. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, they, they were very good. Room. 
and they were really good. Who else, Larry, were uh, some of the guys uh, that you may remember that kind of made it in the business that used to frequent uh, LNS back then? Well, Mick, Mick Foley used to come in. Yeah. Mm. Just to buy Mick, stuff. Mick Foley, we, we had a, had did an autograph session at a, at a convention. Mm-hmm. Is that did did McFoley get to know about you guys through John? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because if I'm loyal he was to John to just hear that you were a long time thing doing signings that he wouldn't start showing up. He's also a smart businessman too. Yeah. Did we ever talk to Larry about that time where there was kind of an imposter LNS that was starting up on Long Island? We didn't ask Larry about it, but that came up a couple months ago. I never heard of that. You came on the show 30 years ago, and there was a fake LNS comic that was. You guys weren't even going to say where it was, but uh, they were using people were starting name. to call your store and ask if it was another location. Was it a baseball guy? I don't know. I mean, it's 30 years ago. I, I can't, Larry, I can't even remember yesterday sometimes when I put these tapes in the machine and I hear I for the it. first time, like, you don't remember. And yeah. sometimes it jars your memory. Did we lose him? Did we lose him? Just had another question about Amy Fisher. Oh, did she ever come in to sign her comic book? <laughs> I, and did she? And did she? And did she get some taffy while she was there? Yeah. So, Larry, are you there? There, there he is. is. Marsh had another question Sorry, about Amy that. Fisher to you. Oh yeah. Uh, we sold the We were noticing. <laughs> So we noticed that, I mean, you had the exclusive Joey Buttafuoco comics. You had the exclusive uh, yeah, Woody we, Allen comics. The Sex Maniacs. The Sex we Maniacs worked card. well with the publisher. The okay. publisher was Northport. Oh, so we right on Long Island. So we were kind of sub-distributor. So we sold okay. a lot. Yeah. My dad had a comic book shop in the 90s, and I remember us getting a couple of those. Because it was just a novelty. It was crazy that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, there was that. There was the serial killer cards. Yeah. Serial killers. The sex maniacs cards that you said. Uh, yeah. I was wondering about that. Because you had so many of the exclusive ones. I was wondering if you had a deal with somebody where they were making them for you or what. Yeah. It was called like, First Amendment Press. First Amendment. So the idea was that in the New York area, they would only send to you? No. Well, pretty much. The big yeah. distributors didn't know what it was, mm. so we took it. Oh, and then we got the word out, so we were sending it all over the country. Yeah, yeah, those things are still up on eBay. Yeah, they're still around. They're still around. You'll find an Amy Fisher comic or a Sex Maniacs trading card set. Yeah, it was insane. Hey, listen, Larry. All I can say is like you're on cutting edge back then with the wrestling figures with the valuation of what they were and uh, always with the different variations of the, of the action figures that used to be able to yeah. obtain the imports. I mean, yeah, all we, of that stuff. Yeah. We brought in the last edition of WCW figures. Yeah. Did you do AAA too? When, uh, when we started doing triple yes. A, I think we talked about it on the air. It's coming up on an upcoming yeah. episode where uh, we were trying to uh, get a deal where you guys do some 
fig, yeah. uh, action figures on AAA. And and masks. I was supposed to get masks. more. Masks. Yeah. yeah. Did you go to the Texas show to get the stuff, right? No, I had gotten sent. Okay. But okay. Uh, who was the promoter again? Let's go. Uh, well, for United States AAA? Yeah. Um, Ron Scholar, uh, myself, um, in the beginning. Um, Antonio Pena. Antonio Pena That's was it. the guy. Antonio Pena was yeah. supposed to work out a deal to send up tons of stuff. But everything was manana, manana, manana. <laughs> That's the way it is. It's still that way. It's still that way down there. Because I wanted to bring in like mega thousands worth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting stuff. Well, you did I'm some gonna... really good work, my friend, back in the day. And, uh, you know, we still thank you for the sponsorship and all the things we did together. And it's always a pleasure to see you. And uh, we will bring you back. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Larry, always a pleasure. Oh. And th thank you for your memories. Thank you very stuff. much. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care now, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, Larry from LNS, always a pleasure to see Larry. And, um, yeah, just great memories. I mean, just great memories. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. You know what I think would be funny, too? Uh, we should tweet it. At Cardona, he should. He's doing those the big L, big rubber guys now, like the LJNs, and he's yeah. doing little major bendies, the little ones. He made a Conrad Thompson one. It'd be he great did. if he made a major bendy of Larry. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Cool. Just a little major bendy, and he's got in his hand a little tiny LJN. Oh, that's kind of a cool thing to approach him with. I think it would be amazing. We'll send him a link to the show. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, I mean, because after all these years, if we could get them talking or even just to work together for a minute, a little Larry toy, I'd buy one in an instant. I would too. Yeah. But all the, all the, all the people that listen to this podcast or watch it on the YouTube channel, I mean, so many of them were listeners from back then and they probably frequented LNS comics. If you were a Long Island person. Yeah. Do a limited run. Limited Larry. <laughs> <laughs> A limited Larry. Yeah, that'd be great. Taffy not included. No, not included. That's on the Jake doll. That's <laughs> the Jake one. Comes <laughs> little, little yellow and black. Uh, but yeah, I like it. one of my favorite things about Larry. Every time we talk to him, is his voice is the same. Yeah, such an identifiable voice. When I hear him call in on your old shows, I'm like, oh, what a yeah. unique voice. And then when he calls in here, I'm like, oh, still Larry. I love it. Yeah. Hey, you know, trendsetter back then, cutting edge, and uh, knew more about the collectible business and the wrestling for wrestling back then when it wasn't even an in industry. He had a lot of foresight with that. Oh, yeah. Big time. The, I, yeah. The stuff he was holding on to and even talking about back then. And I don't even think he realized how many variations would come into play, especially with like the Hasbros and the different color backing cards. Mm -hmm. uh, and the different variations, but he knew there was a value there and that there was something to some of them and limited ones he kept. The fact he still has that Hogan from the yeah. little plastic bag because he just knew. It's one of the more expensive ones. So Right. I, I, I wish, you know, the cases that I bought for the conventions, I wish I could have held a few back unopened and kept them in my storage, but uh, that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. Every now and again, I see stuff online of things that I definitely had as a kid, and I'm all like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. I, never, I didn't even want to get rid of it. It wasn't like I was like, I'm tired of this or anything like that. It's just things get lost through life, you know? That is true. We've all had that. Yeah. I wish I could find my Andre the Giant hair clump. I mean, can you From imagine if you find it and it's not labeled? It's just loose. It's not even in a bag anymore. You just open up something and there's just hair in there. It's all that curly Andre hair. Oh. oh, my gorgeous George Golden Bobby pin. Oh, that's cool. Hey, we keep little weird things. I think I mentioned it before. I have a Pat McAfee pencil from SmackDown mm-hmm. where he just threw a pencil at Corbin and we got the guys to give it to us. And That's just neat. It's the fun little weird things. Yeah, not just t-shirt. But I digress. This was, speaking of fun and weird things, this show was <laughs> absolutely <all> that. Because <laughs> you mentioned here that you're going to be going into the Don Liable archives. They, there was a Jerry Lawler song, and then yes. followed by a classic interview with the Grand Wizard. Yeah. Which was also followed by the beginning of another interview. Uh, the audio on it's not spectacular. I didn't keep it in here. That is one of the treats for the Patreons. You get to listen to the whole yeah. thing. Uh, but I thought it was funny because you even mentioned, like, here we're going to play this song from Jerry Lawler that he probably wishes would disappear. Yeah. It was pretty shitty, wasn't it? A pretty horrible song. I mean, it wasn't a billboard hit for sure. No, it wasn't. It was fun. It was novelty. Like I it mean, was novelty, laughing. pure yeah. novelty. And I think we have. I think uh, the tape started with some of it being cut out, but yes, it was there. And that interview with the wizard was really fascinating because Donnie sent me the interview, and I don't even remember. I couldn't even decipher it by trying to listen back to it, who the person interviewing him was. It was not Donnie, I don't no, think. Wasn't it Greg something? Greg what, starts with an F? I don't know. All Donnie I know says. Is that he said he was managing uh, Stan Stasiak and Billy Graham. Yeah. So wh- I don't think that would be early 80s then, because Graham was in and out of there. You know, Graham lost the title, the back one, in 78. Stasiak was in and out. So I don't even know when that interview took place. I don't know if it was early 80s. I don't know if it was mid, late 70s. Yeah. But it was him. It was Ernie in character. It was the Grand Wizard in character. Yeah, it was cool. He was flipping out on stuff. I wonder, too, why you started thinking about playing back some of this stuff. Because that took up a good chunk of time of your show. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if you were just... Didn't want to talk to the callers. It was really as much. dead air. I, maybe I didn't want to talk to callers. I don't know what was going on. That was a that was a pretty screwed up period of my life. I mean, I'm promoting. I'm, you know, I'm not on EVD. I'm I'm not having a good time in the wrestling business. The Jake appearance that just happened, and maybe that was another reason because of the LNS fallback. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like taking calls on what happened at LNS the week before, or the bowling centers where he didn't show up on two of the appearances. Yeah. That's true. And then I had Medusa and Greg at some of them. And, and obviously the appearances didn't go well. And we lost those sponsors. And Jake didn't yeah. show up, the two of them. So, yeah, I was probably in like, what the hell can I play? This? I don't have to take any calls today. Yeah, there was And that's no why I was telling Bruce. I remember telling Bruce, get somebody. Get a guest. Yeah. We need a guest. And he came through with Terry Funk, which was like, all right, there we go. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah so I mean, show is all over the place. It's really, it's really a psychotic show. This one, and I know that when you started playing the liable archives, you started saying that this is something you wanted to start doing, playing classic stuff. And I was just wondering if there was <laughs> a chance that you started being because you're paying for the airtime. 
Yeah. You know? I, I mean, you know what I want on. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, but you usually didn't forfeit it over to decades old audio. Yeah. Because you tried to stay in the now. And I was in my mind, I was like, did he just want like 15 minutes to have a smoke break in the middle of this show? Is he just that fed up with stuff? I was, yeah, I know I was fed up too. I was so <laughs> fed up. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't even fathom how messed up my life would become once I started promoting as well. Yeah. Uh, but I did think it was funny that you said Jerry Lawler probably wishes that the songs would disappear because uh, just a couple years ago for Christmas, I was gifted a holiday box from Lawler and it came with, I, I could open up a nice little museum. It came up with so much stuff. It was ridiculous. I have 200 something autographs from him. No Most kidding. of them personalized. It was insane. I have a shirt that he wore for Ron Smackdown that he signed and all. How that do you stuff. get that stuff? Is like, you it know, it was off his website. Oh, off his website he was doing christmas packages no yes. shit and it was a box that was crammed like it was heavy and then you lift it up and it was just stacks of papers and as you're going through you realize each is an eight by ten or a xerox of a drawing or just it was just this massive archive but in there was also buttons and pins and keychains and christmas cards he put in there i keep up all year round it was like from michael's a christmas decoration of santa that he signed the beard wow just nothing to do with him that was CherryLolo.com, I guess. I wonder if he's doing another yeah. Christmas sale this year. I don't know, but if he does it, it's awesome. But one of the things he snuck in there was two CDs of his old music. Oh. There was Jerry Lawler, Memphis's Other King, and then there was the Slam Jam. There it is, yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, these reproductions of them. Like, they say 97 on them, 94. Uh, but I ended up listening to these on my way up to, like, StarCast, I think, one year. Mm-hmm. And it was just we we're as we we're driving through the car, we're just laughing at how ridiculous this stuff is. And you're like, man, you just know that these did well in Memphis because he was just that big. Yeah. But yeah, Jimmy Hart's on those. It's nuts. So it just made me laugh when I heard this. I was like, I think I think this is even on that CD. So yeah, wow. Uh, but you did get, like you said, Bruce Jacobs to come through, and you begged him for a guess, and it didn't sound like you knew who or how or when. Just get somebody quick, anyone. But you got Terry Funk. And the important thing about this is because you were just talking to Terry Funk in the news the last two weeks about how he was talking about coming into WCW to turn it all around. Right. That's the angle that I probably told Bruce to use if he called him up. I mean, we want to talk to him about that because that was a big story. And what was going on with it? Was he going to work for WCW? Was he not? Yeah, because you hadn't talked about it because I think it had been a couple of weeks. But at this point, we're going to play the beginning of that interview. Okay, I believe you tell right out that he was not going to be going there and you asked him why. Got it. Um, but the last thing you had heard was that he was. So that makes this rather interesting. It's a newsworthy story. We're back with the program and uh, good job, Bruce. You're able to hook up someone who is a legend in the wrestling business. Of course, of course, I'm very, very proud to be associated with this man and a little business venture that uh, we're both affiliated with called the real wrestling hotline. And there's been a lot of uh, news in the wrestling business concerning this next individual, former NWA world champion, the man himself, Terry Funk, direct from the Double Cross Ranch. Terry, are you there? Thanks, John Arizzi. What in the world is going on? Well, Terry, of course, uh, we're here at the program, and I I wanted to touch base with you about a couple different big breaking stories in the wrestling world, the first of which concerns yourself. 
Now, well, that's great. Uh, tell me what it is, because I don't know if it's a big breaking story or not there. What is it? What is it? What well, do I do? Well, why don't you clear, it, clear this up for us, okay? Uh, in the wrestling newsletters, there's all the... The grapevine had, uh, and of course, I listen to your real wrestling hotline report each and every week, and it's the most entertaining during the whole week. You had a meeting down in Atlanta, Georgia, with the officials at uh, WCW about possibly going in there and trying to save that company, as far as on the wrestling side of it. Now, you did not take the position, from what I understand. Can you please explain to our listeners what went down, why you're not going to be uh, helping WCW rise itself up from the ashes what's going on well you know you said uh, uh save the company and uh i really my compassion is not for uh, uh turner broadcasting or cnn or anything like that or being a corporate worker i mean that doesn't interest me at all uh what interests me is the business of professional wrestling and i think that uh i think it's a wonderful business that i was born into that i've been in practically all of my life, uh, not actively, because it was never forced upon me by my father. He wanted me to get an education, and I did. And following my education is I turned pro. And I loved every minute of it. And I, I just loved the business, and I wanted to see the business go along and survive and prosper. And now I'm beginning to wonder if it will or not, you know. And I felt like I could, I could help the business, and I could help turn it around. And believe me. The uh, wrestling business does need to do an about-face in several different ways uh, because uh, they are not giving the people what they want, nor are they taking care of the people within it, nor are they taking care of the profession itself. And I was always taught that you should take care of it. And uh, I went down there to Atlanta, and I talked to uh, Mr. Shaw and Mr. Dew and had a meeting with them and uh, expressed some of my views and uh, felt like I would like to go into there and uh, take the reins of the WCW, but evidently they didn't want me to, but I felt like I could do some wonderful things with it, but uh, I could get above a certain point, and that was kind of uh, the only point that I could get to. I couldn't get above uh, to a reigning point. Mm -hmm. And I don't disapprove of the people that are in there. I don't hate them. I just think that they got their selves on their own mind. I think that uh, if you take some of them, they are, they are not working for wrestling. They are working for themselves. They are working for the betterment of uh, their salaries. Uh, they are working for promotions. And they really don't care that much about the wrestling business. And that's the important fact is that I believe in the wrestling business. I believe in the people in the business, and I want to help those people in the business maintain something that will continue on that you as fans can enjoy. A lot of pride in Terry. Yeah, and he kept reiterating that he was trying to take the reins. So I think that it wasn't the idea of him wanting to be a consultant. He wanted to be the sole booker. Give me the book, and that is it. And then we'll just—I'm the—I'm the buck stops. We're the buck stops, you know. I would have—I would have loved to see what he could do. Yeah, my only question, really, because I believe later on we might hear him say in the clip too, is that he does talk about how there's a lot of people who don't, who are only interested in themselves, like he said, and they're not interested in the in the business of it all, and that even on a local level they're not. Which mm -hmm. made me wonder. I know he had Funk U, but was mm -hmm. that an active? working wrestling show or just a training facility 
I remember the t-shirt. It's <laughs> true, too. I just know about the shirt. So I know. I don't know if he had a university or a wrestling school. I know his brother did. Yeah. I wonder why he didn't go in and open up even a local territory. I don't know. Was Terry, he involved with you Terry, in Terry. Texas? Um, was he on that show? He was not on that show. No, okay. he was not on that show. Okay. And I know we uh, we actually brought him to San Diego because we wanted him to be part of AAA. We mm-hmm. wanted him to be part of that. And we, uh, it was myself and Ron Scholar. Uh, we gave him an award in San Diego. Uh, and he never... He never got involved uh, past that. I don't know what the deal was, why he didn't do it, but uh, we wanted him to be one of those American heels uh, against uh, Mexican legends. And I was able to pull it off in Chicago in 95, bringing him in to get an award with Perro Guayo. And then he he turned on Perro Guayo on that show and hung him from from the ropes with a noose. And caused a riot, and uh, we were lucky to get out of there alive. But uh, he would have definitely riled those fans of the AAA up if we could have got him involved. But for whatever reason, it didn't happen, you know. Huh. And he was making money in Japan, and then he was getting involved with ECW. So he he picked his own shots. But uh, I know he respected what the AAA was doing, you know, based even on the appearance that he had on with Conan in yeah. the previous episode. And uh, I certainly wish that I could bring him back on this show. I mean, we've tried, and it's just not going to work out, fortunately. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, so who knows what was going on with him back then, you know? Yeah. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. But I mean, it does sound like he just totally loves the business. And like you said, I was hearing him say all this stuff and thinking about that episode with Conan and you're like, he obviously knew about AAA. He liked Conan. He Mm -hmm. wanted to work with him. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder what stopped him from just being like, I'm going to run my own smaller promotion. You know, just a little strange because it sounds like that the desire was there. Yeah. If he was willing to take over WCW, but only if he was running the, the whole thing, mm-hmm. it's not too many steps away from just having your own promotion. Right. And it's probably could be finances, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you, you work and you get paid and sometimes you get paid really well, but you know, sometimes, uh, especially, in that era, you know, people spend as they go. Yeah. And he had a ranch and obligations. So uh, uh, unless you were like one of them big contract salaried guys for WCW or, you know, working for Vince, WWF, I mean, 
Um, you'd get good paydays, but Terry was also the type of guy that worked and then he was off and then he worked and then he was, you know, called mm-hmm. his own shots and did his own thing. And, you know, and, and the way he put what he put his body through, he was physically unable to sustain like, you know, 200 dates a year. Yeah. Then he would retire and, and then come, come back, back. <laughs> and retire and come back. It was that big retirement payoff. Yeah, I mean, it, the most extreme stuff, and, you know, it was with ECW. I mean, the stuff that he put his body through with ECW and, and Japan with Onita and, and the exploding matches and the matches he had with Cactus over there. My God, how do you survive? Well, it's one of the big standouts to me. A lot of people talk about uh, Beyond the Mat, and they talk about the puke thing and the Heyman pro- promo. Yeah. And we all make jokes about the, uh, I'd rather be in the main event and breathe. Mm-hmm. but the one thing that I, that I always think about with that one when it comes up is the fact that Terry Funk goes into a doctor and he says, I don't know how you walked in here looking at these x <laughs> Yeah. Because he's all like, oh, do you think I'll be fine to wrestle? And he goes, you're not fine to walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, I got a show. It's insane. Yeah. One of a kind legend, man. That's a legend. Yeah. For sure. And I was... I told you before, I was not very smart as a fan and I didn't know all these things. So when I saw him come in as Chainsaw Charlie, that's kind of how I first started hearing about him and learning about him. So to me, it was Chainsaw Charlie. And then I started seeing this Terry Funk stuff. I was like, who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Chainsaw, Chainsaw Charlie thing was the only thing that he had done. And I'm sure it wasn't his choosing. I'm sure he was told that he was going to be Chainsaw Charlie and it was a payday. Uh, that's the only thing I didn't like because he was Terry Funk. Why put a why make him change? So Charlie, why? You know, the, I bit, think it was. It would have been Bruce's, more impactful if he was just Terry Funk. I think so too. I also wonder though, right? So I mean, I don't think that what Bruce always says on his show is true—that the fans just didn't know anything south of New York. That's true entirely. Yeah. But when you'd see the guys come from over there and then pop up like the Ric Flair's, there was a slight disconnect that didn't quite work. So I wonder if hiding him under a mask was almost to protect the Terry. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe they're just fools. (laughs) (laughs) Questions to ponder. Uh, Here's a, I, I have four parts of the Terry Funk interview. It was kind of a lengthy one, but I, I cut about six minutes out of it. This is the second part of the interview. And the other thing is, is that I want people to write. You people out there can change things. And believe me, you're the only ones. You know, everybody gripes about the play baseball players making $24, 25000000 million for, for a period of a, of a contract for maybe three or four years or whatever it might be, or maybe two or maybe one. Well, you people are at fault because how you change that, if you change that by letting the baseball people know, say, hey, we're paying too much a ticket. You write them a letter. A letter's worth a thousand words. That's the truth. And you go ahead, you write them a letter and you, you boycott them. You don't buy the tickets. You don't buy the pay-per-view in wrestling. You don't buy the tickets. You barrage them with letters and you can change things and you will change things fast. You can go ahead and you can bring the prices of the stadium tickets down so fast in football, basketball, baseball, or wrestling, or do what you want to. You fans are in the driving seat. 
sometimes you wonder because they keep on telling you you're in the trunk. And every time you open up the trunk, they kick you back down in there. But believe me, the paying customer is the one that is the bottom line in the wrestling business are all forms of entertainment, and sports are a form of entertainment. And you've got to remember that. You can make a difference. You get that pin out, you write Sean Do down there in Atlanta, and you say, hey, I want the funker in there, I want, and not necessarily me. I want some changes, and this what they should be. And you go ahead and you complain about it, and I'll guarantee you that you can move somebody. And you can get the... You can get some momentum behind you, and you can change some things. And right now, that's the only thing that's going to change things down there. Are you also going to be looking at the same old crap and the same old garbage? And I'm not lying to you, partners. Well, the two guys that you met with down there... Uh, I hope that made some sense. I kind of well, got off on a little tangent there. Well, it certainly does make sense. The fans are, uh, are the ultimate ones who are going to decide whether they watch a product or buy a pay-per-view or go to an arena. And WCW is averaging just, uh, you know, less than... 500 now as far as arena shows on an average of tens. The, the TV ratings are down. The pay-per-view buy rates are down. When you met with uh, Shaw and Du, did they seem concerned that this company is kind of just like going down the drain? Well, I think that they were uh, somewhat, uh, uh, how should I say it? I hate to use the same old term. I think they're somewhat ostriching it. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, they were kind of, uh, of skirting the subject, you know, as like, uh, you know, I said to them, I said, your business is in trouble. And that got kind of, uh, of, uh, they definitely know it. I mean, they just don't want to blatantly, you know, nobody wants to blatantly come out and say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm doing everything wrong or my people are doing everything wrong and I don't blame them for that. But they don't blatantly want to I clean house either, <laughs> you know. No. You know, the, the situation down there is like there needs to be a, a thorough house cleaning, in my opinion, anyhow. Uh, well, they have to have somebody, and maybe not the Funker. Yeah. You know, but I mean, maybe somebody else, maybe not Terry Funk, but maybe somebody else. But they've got to put somebody in a position to get a hold of that range. And I believe it's got to be somebody that's got true compassion for the business and the longevity of the business and for the guys within the business. and. And uh, that is so very important to me that, uh, believe me, they offered me a, a uh, situation down there for a tremendous amount of money. To me, probably wouldn't be much to some people in this world, but to old Terry Funk, it was a lot of money. And I turned it down because I couldn't get the reins, and I wanted the reins, and uh, I think the reins are necessary. He wanted those reins. Yeah, and even... People have talked about some of the issues with WCW is just having too many people with too much say too often. So I could see where it's not being like one person. If it's me or not, make it one. Yeah. Yeah, WCW always had that problem. Too many people, too many cooks. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because he's talking about how uh, the paying customers are in control. If you show up, if you do these things, they're not going to think something's wrong. They need to see the dips in the business because they always talk about how the business is cyclical. Mm -hmm. It goes up and it goes down. But I think it's because art is subjective. And so storylines can be popular or not popular. Like it can just not be hooked. It's, you know, I mean, Jeff Jarrett's talked about it. If you are doing the right thing every week, the same crowd will come out every week. Like you can get them to come back. Because they yeah. filmed in the same place. And you know, I watched that Dark Side of the Ring about the um, 2000 uh, Bash at the Beach uh -huh. with Hogan and 
Jarrett lying down uh, for Hogan and uh, the Bischoff story, the Jarrett story, the Russo story. Uh, it was kind of all over the place, you know, with Hogan and Hogan didn't participate in the, in the taping, but that was just a prime example of everyone having different agendas and backstabbing and fighting and who knows the real story, who knows what was truth. I'm sure they all had their little truths, but Jarrett was said something pretty prolific and he's like you just don't confuse them because if you confuse the fans they're not going to get it and it's going to hurt you yeah and that yeah. was the, that was a show that confused the fans to no end i mean i think you still see it in today's product too i've seen people talk about how business is you know not as popular as ever but it's filling stadiums again you know like yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, attendance is good. The TV, yeah, the attendance is good. And look what AEW is doing at uh, Wembley. Yeah, I mean that shows you know seventy five thousand will sell out. They haven't even yeah. announced uh, by the time this airs. I guess they're announcing matches this week finally for that. But I mean, here you go. I mean, it's it's a healthy, robust business right now. If you look yeah. at the two big promotions and even some of the independents that are doing really well and drawing. Yeah, people are showing up. I go to a bunch of indie shows out here too. And it wasn't that long ago that it was like five, 10 people in some of these buildings. And now I'm not getting comps anymore because they yeah. don't need to, you know what I mean? Like it's now on. they're filling. So yeah. it's like, people are interested as long as you're doing it. So it's kind of neat that you guys are talking about it there that, you know, by showing up, you're making a statement. So if you don't like it, don't go. And right now it feels like those shows feel like you can't not show up. And in that era, no one was showing up. It yeah. was the attendance way down. That's why the AAA show that took place later in the month in 1993 in August opened up a shitload of eyes that you can actually turn away 8,000 people in a 17,000 capacity venue. So something is good if it's done right. Yeah. If they're interested, they're coming out. Uh, and even people who aren't interested are coming out. If they're fans, they're keeping one eye on the product to see if they want to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, wrestling fans never stop paying attention at all, you know? But uh, you also asked Terry Funk about Cornette showing up in WWF. That was a big deal. That was a very big deal. A very big deal. Was this bigger than Cornette getting into business with Jim Hurd on the phone line, you think? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of a head turner. Yeah. It really was. When he showed up on Raw and Bobby Heenan went ballistic and yeah. and jumped into the ring and hugged him. And, you know, there's Cornette in the WWF ring, which you didn't think you'd ever see. It was a great angle. It was great. You know, I actually watched uh, earlier today uh, on Twitter, there was a clip of that uh, appearance and when he showed up. At raw and i was like this was so cool this was great it's insane too it's funny because like we've had so many clips of his interviews and a lot of times we'll clip out the little part where he takes a jab at the wwe because you know he always would he always would he never wavered he was never all like look i like what they're doing right now he was just all like nope that place is a circus that place mm -hmm. is a cartoon that place doesn't take it serious and i take it serious so for all of a sudden popping up over there kind of crazy mm -hmm. so you ask terry funk about it and terry funk gives you a super level-headed response 
uh, led a guy like Jim Cornette to uh, go down into Tennessee to form Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But the biggest story in the wrestling business this week was the appearance of Jim Cornette at a WWF television taping with the Heavenly Bodies. What is your impression and your opinion on, on this situation? On Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies? or On the WWF, yeah. Well, uh, to be very honest with you, is I think it was a wise move on Cornette's part. It's a no-lose situation for him. Well, I am going to give you my personal opinion, and I might be right and I might be wrong here, but uh, believe me, uh, the Smoky Mountain Wrestling is very difficult to run and make a, a financial success at. And make it because you have responsibilities, and because the population within that area, it's very difficult to do that. And he has no major towns, but you have the responsibility of making a lot of people money—not money, but you have to make them a living. Yeah. And that's more important than making them money. It's whenever you have friends and you have people that you feel uh, uh, committed to, and uh, you get to see that they make a dollar every week. Well. I beg to say, or I beg to differ with anybody that Jim Cornette's getting rich down there. He's not. And he's worked his tail end off, and I think it's a smart move for him because, believe me, you can have a lot of money in the bank, and whenever you start eating on it, it can go quick. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think it's a wise decision on Cornette's part because I think the opportunities are there. But I think what the wonderful thing is is that Cornette might be able to uh, – corner some of that good talent he's got down there and get them the opportunity in WWF in the future. Yeah, and of course... Uh, you know, that would be wonderful for some of those guys. Uh, the, you know, of course, like Tom Pritchard has been uh, out there for a long time, and he's a great talent. Uh, there's a, Jimmy Backlund. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Backlund's a super talent as well. And uh, from what I understand from uh, hearing reports, that Cornette really stole the show uh, this past Monday. Now... The I national mean, help from stealing the show. The guy's got talent. Oh yes, he is. He's, uh... he's got a wonderful. You know, I mean, he's talent. You know, what I mean, <laughs> not, not too many out there like him. <laughs> Maybe he just brought it up to Cornette's level. He didn't steal it. <laughs> but he's got that much talent. He does. What a talented guy. And I've always said it. Talented ideas, everything else. And he's just he's a heck of an individual. And uh, uh, he, there, there's a guy. See that I was talking about earlier. There's a guy that loves this business. Yeah that loves this business more than he loves the money. And uh, I love this business more than I love the money. Believe me, I've hit a lot of home runs, ran around second base, and uh, instead of going to third and home, as I've uh, walked out to center field and started talking to fans. God only knows what about, but I've done that too. Yep. Smart guy. Yeah, I mean, and I think Cornette's even said that that was one of the biggest reasons he went there was to get a little bit promotion on Smoky Mountain. And I don't remember if... WWF ever paid them the way that they paid ECW? Definitely not the amount. But I don't think it was to OVW that he started having a real working relationship with right. them, right? I mean, he had a long-term relationship with them, beginning with this uh, yeah. week 30 years ago. Yeah. Where it started. But, uh, you know, I, from what Terry said, it was right. I mean, you, you, Cornette was promoting in these little towns in the deep south, trying to run a circuit like he did in the old days. And Wrestling had a down period, even though they were f hardcore fans that love Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It was just not, it was not able to get a lot of traction. TV was regionalized. The business was in a down period. Uh, and you couldn't make a living doing mm. 
at it. And he had, you know, good money people behind him as well at the time. So uh, he gave it his best shot and he knew what he was doing. But, you know, then, you you know, you call up Uncle Vince and see what you could work out. And uh, he uh, he became a major part of what was going on in there behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And he was Jim Cornette. I mean, you know, you talk about personalities in this business over the last 40 years. He's in the top 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's still very relevant now. As much as people talk about very him, relevant. say <laughs> they very <constantly>. relevant. <laughs> That's so funny to me. The amount of people who go out of their way to talk every week about how irrelevant he is, which just further proves that what he says matters. He's got the most popular podcast. His two shows are yeah. listened to by everybody. Yeah. It's kind of like the old days when everyone would read The Observer. Yeah. And that was kind of their Bible at the time. When the world of wrestling podcasting, the Cornette experience and the drive through are the must-listens yeah. to in the pro wrestling podcast world. They really are. Because of the entertainment value, because of Cornette, who he is, and his incredible wit, personality, humor, um, how Everything about him. Dive. Yeah, how deep he can dive into history and yes. the amount of opening up he'll do. Like, I even thought it was great, and it was probably throwaway for a lot of people. There was one time he saw a tag team, I think it was FTR, do the Flapjack, which is a movie he invented. Mm-hmm. And he went on to explain how they did a misstep and explained how to do that maneuver safely and cleanly mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm like, that's a breakdown you wouldn't normally get, right? Most people would just text the person or something or call them up, yeah. you know, like... He's like sharing that stuff, and it's really cool. Yeah, Jim Cornette is a treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Terry Funk said something really interesting in here where he talked about how the the, the world in and of itself is dog-eat-dog, and he said that you guys knew about that because you had seen it when the World War II soldiers were promised to have their jobs back and came back and didn't have jobs, and that it happened with Vietnam when people came back and they didn't have jobs and that he thinks that Japan is so successful because the people there believe in the company and not necessarily all about number one. And he thinks that the only way that the wrestling business is going to survive if people stop obsessing with themselves and start thinking about the company. And I thought that was a really neat way to, to equate that, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I have the clothes that you have for the show because it was abrupt and strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, what the hell? Let's hear it. There's been a lot said about San Juan, uh, pro and con since the uh, Bruce Brody incident. And uh, I think it's about time we went ahead and uh, buried some hatchets and forgot about that and uh, not about him losing his life down there, but uh, uh, the island of Puerto Rico wasn't responsible. I'll damn sure guarantee you that. No, the you people, understand what I'm saying? Yeah, the I people of Puerto Rico had nothing to do with that. No, of course. And I think the fans down there deserve the best of talent. Well, I think they're going to throw a big house next weekend because, uh, from what I understand, it's going to be a major, major show. If you and, feel the same way I do on that. Oh, I certainly do. I, can't, I, I think you can't blame a country or, or you know, a province 
or any particular area for a tragedy that happened, you know, then everyone should have moved out of Dallas, Texas when JFK was assassinated, you yeah. know, and no one should have went back in there to do anything. But, uh, you know, Terry, I know you're world travel. You're going back to Japan at the end of August, and uh, uh, we're also going to be talking to you well, about... Well, you know, I'm so old. I'm so old, John. I wanted that job down there in Atlanta so bad, and I just wanted to have it with the range and everything else because... Then I wouldn't have to worry about my back and my knees, and I could just use my mind, which I don't know how much of that is left. <laughs> I think you got, poor old Terrence, he didn't get the job. Well, you got, you got a lot of good years <laughs> ahead. And, and finally, uh, closing on this note, on October, we're planning our next week in the Champions Convention. And I've already invited Greg the Hammer Valentine and his father, Johnny Valentine. And I want to extend an invitation to yourself and your brother, that's Dory. next week? No, no, that's in October. Oh, that's right, October, right. Yeah, we usually do it in August, but uh, because of the overseas touring situation, I didn't have time to put it together, so we're going to do it in October. We're going to do a live show around it. Uh, and uh, I invited Greg so far and Johnny Valentine, and I wanted to talk to yourself, invite yourself and your brother Dory uh, for the Weekend of Champions this year. And, um, well, John Arizzi, anytime you're doing something, you know that I would be there, John Arizzi. Yes, but I, I, I just have the utmost respect for you. I'll and, uh, pay my own train, plane transportation. You got it on tape. Is this on tape? I'll go ahead. I'll okay. pay for everybody else's room. I'll <laughs> give them all $100 that want to come up and see you, John Arisi. Okay. That's I'll a... pay their way because that's what I think of you, John Arisi. Well, thank you, Terry. <laughs> I appreciate you spending some time with us today. All right. You guys take care. And uh, all you fans out there, best to you. And remember the old Funkers 900 hotline. And remember John Arisi's hotline, too. He's so good on there. Catch you all later. Thank you, Terry. Okay, Terry Funk and... Uh... That was good. Thank you, Bruce, for setting that up. Appreciate it very, very much. And uh, that show in Puerto Rico next week is going to be a big one. That's uh, Carp. That was it. That was the end of the tape. That was it. <laughs> what happened in Puerto Rico? And then you turn the tape over, and it's Bruce Jacobs talking about the Jets and the Giants and football, and and that's the entire side of that tape. So I was like, I'm not going to give that to you to play. Yeah. And that was it. So side two was. Bruce and no wrestling. So weird. But yeah, there was no callers. There was no outro. There was no music. There was till next time. It was just mid sentence. No, no taffy. No taffy. <laughs> I liked how much Terry Funk loves John Arizi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did. Go, I, I couldn't get his brother for whatever mm -hmm. the reason was. And I did try to get uh, Johnny Valentine to be with Greg because I, I had the Putskis there too and i thought it would be a great father son father son type of deal and you know sometimes the best ideas can't be executed uh but you know his match with kevin sullivan on that show in october was pretty cool especially when you get you know a run-in by the original sheik you know so and a little ballroom in queens yeah pretty historic shit that's awesome yeah well that wraps up this one uh it's great to have. Uh, oh, by the way, Larry from LNS texted me uh, after um, um, after uh, he left tonight, and he he had a little, a few more tidbits here um, about some of the personalities that used to frequent LNS. Uh, Taz and Bully Ray used to come by the store often. Mm. ECW wrestlers Jimmy Snuka had come by. Uh, he bought figures of himself. Uh, Dennis, cool. yeah, New Jersey promoter Dennis Carluzzo, mm. and he goes. And in a lighter note, 
John Gotti Jr. was a frequent visitor, bought tons of figures for his boys. <laughs> and Larry likes you, Mar. She thinks you're a really good guy. Oh, yeah. All right. Good. I'm going to try and get him a toy. So, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he, said, he doesn't Marsh, even know that part yet. If Marsh wants to talk, he can always give him, give you a call, you know, give him a call directly or whatever. Oh, nice. He's impressed with you. So, get that toy for him now. Get that done. Yeah. I got to get that done. I still owe, uh, I still owe Sonny Blaze a phone call, too. So, uh so i'll be doing that soon but yeah that, that's funny those those people who came through i wonder if there's anyone that because obviously he knows matt cardona became matt cardona yes i know that right now he's thinking about all the people who came in before they were like big and he's thinking of like more adults oh yeah I wonder he, how many kids he wouldn't even know were kids right, that right. somebody you know yep uh so i just wonder brian myers was from New York too, wasn't he from Jersey? Brian Myers. That's uh Cardona's partner. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were both. I think the they Irish. both. Yeah. Cause I know that last time he referred to them as the boys. Mm-hmm. He always likes to support the boys. The boys. Got yeah, because they were the boys he came through. Um, but yeah, Larry's great, always fun. Such a weird show. Trying a to weird one. Notes. Yeah, crazy one. And next week but, is going to be a little nutty too. I mean, you know, I'm in Texas for the next episode, and so is that uh, a 30 minute show then? No, Your this call is usually short. It's an hour show. Right. But uh, <laughs> little teaser. Uh, I'm in Texas calling in uh, for the show and, and I am taking calls cause Bruce fi- figured a way to do that. So I'm taking calls. Um, and my mother calls in to, <laughs> to the pro wrestling spotlight. Can't wait. Yeah. I mean, that shocked me, you know, cause my mom passed in 2007, you know, yeah. and, and just uploading a show and digitizing it. And all of a sudden it's like, and Bruce is like, Hey, we have another caller. And it's, Hi, it's John's mom. <laughs> she was worried about me in Texas, you know. Yeah. She's I always get a kick when we hear your sister or something on there, so this will be cool. Yeah, it will be. So that's something to look forward to. And uh... Hey, Marsh, you know, another good one. What are you going to say? Each show is different. It's Each the most fun. Different. It is. Even the shows that don't seem to be about a lot, or seem to be all that impactful have so many little gems and weirdnesses mm-hmm. in them because it was just a live show with and, characters and anything can happen. Yeah. So I did, I did get this in the mail this week. I'm holding up a copy of Todd is God. Uh, the book. It's really, really good. Is it cool so far? I was going to get the Kindle version and wait until I see him in person to get a physical. Yeah. 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 I just got it. Cause, um, I just want to read it, and it's not coming out on audio uh, book for a while. I think I pre-ordered the audio book, and it comes out, I think, like the third week of August, fourth week of August. Mm. So uh, as I drive up to New York, I'll probably listen to that one. And and I just got the uh, new Eddie Cranepool biography. My favorite baseball player, Eddie Cranepool. You probably does, you probably don't know who that is. Wow. Original Met. 17 years old 
signed in 1962 right out of high school. Played for the Mets from 1962 to 1979. He was my hero. And he just came out with his autobiography. So can't wait to read that one as well. Are you guys going to get him on? I wish, and it's very possible, but, you know, the podcast is primarily a Blue Jays podcast. So yeah, unless it pertains, because we, we had, we had the, the hitting coach, the Atlanta Braves, on uh, on one of the last episodes. And um, it was good and all, but, you know, the numbers weren't anywhere near. You know, when you have a Blue Jays. Oh. But, yeah, it's, it's all about numbers, man. Yeah. Huh. All right, well. I was thinking when someone's doing a book, and if it's a good book, then go for it. Hey, listen, it's a Blue Jays, primarily a Blue Jays show. John, he's was, got a chapter in there about the Blue Jays. Highlight it. I mean, like if Eddie Cranfield does. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's not happening. But yeah. uh, Eddie's a uh, Eddie's my hero to this day when it comes to baseball players, and it, it was all the kids when I was growing up. Mickey Mantle was the guy. Number seven for the New York Yankees, Mickey Mantle. And uh, my uncle just happened to take me to a Met game. Eddie Cranepool was in that game. My first game I ever went to, July 3rd, 1966. It was a doubleheader against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He got three hits, and he became my hero. And he wore the same number as Mickey Mantle, number seven. So I used to get made fun of because I was, I was like idolizing a poor man's Mickey Mantle. <laughs> Steady Eddie did have a home run in the World Series, though, in 1969. And uh, Mets are the only team ever played for. And I wish they would retire his number. And hopefully that will happen. He's in the Mets Hall of Fame. But that's Eddie Cranepool, you know. Yeah. Freddie right. Blassie cool. and Eddie Cranepool were my heroes growing up. So cool. And, J and JFK. Really? I was alive when JFK was yeah, but president. How many people look up to the president? It's not often. Not, not anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right or left. I mean, they're all fucked. They're all screwed. I mean, all yeah. of them. I don't give a shit no more. That's the thing. We're no. so fucked as a country. We're done. No I vote. Who the president is. We're done. Just, we're done. I only vote based off how good I think the Saturday Night Live skits will be if that person's president. Yeah, that's a good reason to vote. <laughs> I mean, back then, the president was the president. JFK was beloved. He was the president. And, uh, you know, I was born when Eisenhower was president. Although I remember Ike, but I, JFK. And I remember when JFK got killed. I remember November 22nd, 63. I was in second grade. Wow. And I remember, you know, I was in Catholic school. And the nuns came on the loudspeaker and announced it. And... um here I'm second grade, you know, you think the world is going to end. And yeah. then, you know, and the first thing I thought of was like, what, what is the Pope going to do about this? Cause I was yeah. Catholic at the time. And then 10 minutes later, the mother superior came on the loudspeaker and said, our president is dead. And they dismissed the kids from school. My older sister, I was in second. She was in second, third, fourth. She was in sixth grade, I believe. And we walked home like we did every day. And, and uh, it was mid-afternoon and turned down the street. And we lived in um, in the Ridgewood section of Brooklyn. And we lived in these 
apartment complexes, two to three stories high. And my mother, we lived on the second or third floor. My mother's looking out the window as people used to do back then. You just look out the window, you know, and uh, we are walking down the street and she saw us and we were coming home much earlier than when school was supposed to be let out. And she's like, what are you doing home? What? um, Kennedy's dead. They killed the president. Get oh, what are you talking about? You're lying, you know. And and then uh, got in the house, turned on the TV, and there it was. And for the next four days, we sat in front of that television. Yeah, never forget it. And saw Lee Harvey Oswald get shot live on television on that Sunday. Yeah, traumatic. <laughs> I slept under the couch for like a he week. Was like I was scared shitless. Wow. But I mean, that was kind of it back then, you know, and I don't want to be a, uh, and I'm showing my age, but then, you know, Johnson was respected and then even Nixon until he resigned. And, but the presidency yeah. was the presidency and it doesn't mean the presidency is over. It's, it's like, it's never going to be respected again. Yeah. Well, I mean, but also JFK was a, was a New York Catholic boy, was he not? Uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts, New York, same thing. Yeah. It's all up there, you know? I lived in New York long my enough. Dad, my dad right was there. not a fan. Yeah. My dad was not, not until the night that he was killed. And my dad came home from the grocery store where he operated and actually came in and, and had, you know, was crying. Yeah. That's the way it was. That's the way the public, it was like his just incredible sadness and tears. Yeah. And, and we all thought that, um, that was it. You know what? Like the world, this will never be the same. And it, the world has never been the same since then. Yeah. And that's why the Beatles were so successful when they came in in February of 64, because America needed something to uplift them. And when the Beatles showed up in America, that's that made people happy again. Well, they wanted to hold everyone's hand. They did. She loves you. I want to hold your hand. And. So anyway, let's do a podcast on history. (laughs) (laughs) We probably lost most of the listeners on the end of this show, but it's okay. I'm an old fogey man telling my stories of life. And I think that stuff's interesting. And I think that, uh, I don't know, you just never know how much time you have to tell your stories. And I think that it's important to have them out there. And, And you lived a really spectacular life in a lot of ways during a lot of spectacular times. And for me, I'm never going to get tired of, learning more about that stuff if i mean i just wish that i had recorded more conversations with some of my with my grandfather and stuff right. you know like he told right. me a few stories and i can't remember the details quite right and i was like man i wish i did a podcast with him you know i'd advise like, that to anyone listening to your elders record them talk to them i did that with my dad well not yeah. me personally it was at the nursing home that he he was at at the end yeah. they they did a whole video of his life and his kids and and I have that to this day. There was a couple of times that my uh, my fiance knew that I was prodding him about stuff. And she would just secretly bring her phone out or even my camera. My DSLR had a really sneaky little record button. And she just quietly recorded like three or four stories of his. That mm-hmm. When he passed, I put those videos up on the family YouTube. And so mm-hmm. you know, it means something. It's cool. So, yeah. So, I mean, anybody who didn't want to hear the last four, four to six minutes about your JFK story, then they're missing the point because I think a lot of this is wrestling centric, but we're also mm-hmm. getting to know the life and times, you know? So yeah. I think it's important. Yes. Well, 
I appreciate you indulging me and then oh. triggering that memory, but we're fucked as a country. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so sad about it. I mean, it's like it's over. We're, it's actually two countries. We don't even have one country anymore. It's two. Yeah, because, I mean, even the idea that your dad didn't like him but cried about it. Yeah. There's a lot of people who would celebrate. Yeah. One or the other here. going. Like yeah, the two either. leaders of either party. Like yeah. if I, any one of them went. Nobody I mean, just dislikes and disagrees. Now they, no. they now hate be with all their heart. Celebration of one yeah. of them actually went. Yeah, and, they and, actively hate. Yeah, yeah so, I don't like hate. Hatred is not, uh, and, I, and I don't engage in those conversations anymore. It's just, yeah. it's, not, it's not even worth it. Yeah. Because there's nothing anyone could do that's going to change a thing. Nope. It's predetermined like wrestling. Yeah. Well, it's not predetermined, but it's like we know where we're going, and it ain't in a good place. No matter who's leading the charge, I think we're it's it's too late yeah. for for us to be united again as a country. Unfortunately, but anyway, that's my uh, editorial. That's my what do you call my op ed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a good one. It was a weird episode. I look forward to the next one and, and sparking any memories of your mom and getting to know your mom as a character. I know she's not going to oh be on a lot by any means, but no. this will be a nice little It'll be the only chance. appearance from her anyway. It Most will likely. Be. She, she wasn't in any of the ones before, right? I don't remember. No, 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 no. This was kind of like when I heard her voice come out of that speaker. Yeah. It, it actually jarred me. Yeah. In a way, and I was like, holy shit. It's my mom. Staring at the tape. It's my mom. I was there. I was like, mom. Yeah. I can't wait. Snooky was her name. Really? That was her nickname. Her Her name was Mary, but uh, uh, she was given the nickname Snooky by her parents when she was a little girl. And um, she would, you know, she. If she liked you, she would say, call me Snooky to any friends. But if she didn't, she would just say, my friends call me Snooky. And she didn't yeah. give everybody permission to call her Snooky. <laughs> <laughs> so the Snooky from the Jersey Shore is not the original Snooky. Not in your life. No. All right, guys. Mm. That's it. Everybody out there. Marsh, why don't you give us your plugs? Let us know what you're doing with Medusa and the the wonderful things that are happening on your YouTube with her now and uh, let people know where they could find you, my good friend. Yeah. I'm a queen of carnage, youtube.com slash queen of carnage, me and Medusa every week. Uh, it's been really cool digging into her career a little bit more and more uh, doing that. Obviously I'm here with you and we've been having a lot more fun over in the, in the dive bar of the IWC at wrestling on the rock. So come by and check it out. Uh, it's just been a lot looser. So been good. Well, I appreciate it it every week. I appreciate you, and we'll uh, talk to you next week, Marsh. All right, everybody, and that'll wrap up this edition of John Arizzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Join our private group at Facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast and radio show. We have a public page there as well. Just go to Facebook.com, John Arizzi's Matt Memories. A private group is there as well. And don't forget, subscribe to that YouTube channel. Marsh is putting up more shorts and video content. Uh, of course, these episodes are up there as well. And that, again, is YouTube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Please subscribe to that channel today. And if you're listening on 
Apple on the podcast, please, uh, why don't you just stop by and just give it a five-star review, write a little review on it, because that really helps. I'd love to see some more reviews of this program on uh, Apple. Uh, you could do that on Spotify as well, I believe. Uh, as follows, following me personally at uh, John Arezzi on Twitter, at John Arezzi on Instagram, at John Arezzi on Thread. And if you'd like a signed and numbered copy of my book, Matt Memories, send an email to me, john at mattmemories.com, and we'd be able to get a signed and numbered copy out to you. Uh, the sister podcast that we do is Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering the shows I covered from the Mecca of all arenas 50 years ago. We just taped our August 27th episode uh, featuring Pedro Morales against uh, Stan the Man Stasiak. The new episode is now available, the one that covered July 23rd, 1973, with Morales against George the Animal Steel with Joe Lewis as the referee. And for patrons, the, those films, those films that I shot of that night are now on our Patreon account, patreon.com slash John Arezzi. I have the Morales Steel match, and I also have Freddie Blassie against Victor Rivera on 8mm film on our Patreon account. Uh, so check that out and check out the podcast Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden wherever you get your favorite podcast it's co-hosted by Tim Putre written and researched by my good friend Richie Garcia and thank you as always to our producer and creative director Marsh and thank you to the Patreon executive producers Anthony Pyrus and Joe Holloway and for each and every one of you patrons who support helping with the production costs for this show until next week when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.